And I know that you have such a colorful history of hobbies and feelings about them. So I just, I think this is going to be a really juicy episode. episode is brought to you by Winging It. That's where you can find my audio course on honing your intuition. It's designed to help you stop second guessing and start living your heart out. You can find it at winging-it.net. Welcome to Should We? Creative conversations about the everyday choices that make us. Hello, Diana. Hello, Lisa. (laughs) How are you today? I'm doing great. Um, do you think it, it would, well, okay, how are you? I'm fine. I'm fine. Things are, lots of things are happening, but I'm fine. I was just wondering, do you think it'd be too spooky if I just noted what was happening before we got on the call? <laughs> Well, we are. It's basically October, which means it's basically Halloween. So I say go for it. Diana, it's definitely not October. My baby is due in October. It cannot be almost (laughs) October. (laughs) As, As far as I can tell, it is still, as we record, the last day of August. And that is so, so different from October. Well, you know, time time has uh, time 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 is experienced differently by different people, including this uh, this entity that we uh, we may need to unpack. Yes. Well, yeah. I just wanted to note that, like, we did a little test before we started recording, and then I listened to it. And then you had said beforehand, like, "Is the TV on? Somebody's talking in the background." And I was like, "No." There's no TV in this room. Definitely, there's no other sounds in here. And then I listened to the recording and there was definitely another lady, like a, a third woman <laughs> talking on, on our recording. So it, I'm sure it's a ghost. I'm sure it's a friendly one, like a true friend who just wants to be involved. No problem. I did request that she would... Um, just listen quietly this time and then we'll talk about whether she can join the next episode so we'll see yeah maybe she can be our featured guest yeah right I mean that would be awesome should we (laughs) should we be friends with ghosts (laughs) yes we should we should well also today's episode is all about should we have hobbies and um you know Making friends with ghosts could be a great hobby. Great, great way to pass time. Very, yeah. very nourishing. I was going to say like ghost busting or something, but she seemed nice. I don't want to bust. Like that seems very disruptive. She just seemed busy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She had, you know, she has uh, places to go, people to meet, you know, 
Um, I uh, I don't think the busting is gonna help her much, but we could we could invite her in for tea. Yeah, yeah, maybe she needs a place to um, take a deep breath. Uh, so Lisa, how are hobbies going for you? Hobbies are going so well, Diana, so well. And I, I have so much to say about this. And I know that you have such a colorful history of hobbies and feelings about them. So I just, I think this is going to be a really juicy episode. Definitely. In the, in the should we canon, I think the, the time when we uh, were both kind of relaxed enough to, uh, to think about hobbies is like a very good moment. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm very glad to be here with you. <laughs> so I was thinking it might be good to start by speaking to the meta here and the like all the feelings and thoughts that preceded the hobby that I'm now really into. And, um, but I couldn't quite remember some of the angry things I said, um, leading up to like, as I was trying to start my hobby. And so I just searched in our, in our Slack entity for hate crochet <laughs> that seemed really promising, but I didn't find exactly that phrase. <laughs> um, so, so basically, uh, how this came about, like, I, I don't feel like I'm actually that much of a hobby person. Like, I don't know. I, I, I don't tend to stick with things. For a long time, I tend to just like dabble. There was a period where I was painting relatively consistently over a number of months. Um, but uh, yeah, so basically I'm in the third trimester. It's rough. Everything's fine. Like I actually, at one, one point I did this whole investigation to find out whether I have some horrible condition or something um, that is causing me to struggle with mobility so much. Like, it's so hard to move. It's so hard to get up. It's so hard to walk. It's so hard to roll over in bed. And I became convinced that there was definitely something very wrong. And then I saw like several different practitioners who all concluded like, yes, something is wrong. You're pregnant. <laughs> I was like thanks a lot and they're like there's nothing we can do about this it's probably gonna get worse because there's a baby inside and it's heavy and it's getting heavier so yeah I after that you know intense search for a problem I could fix um and realizing it was my own baby who doesn't need fixing, um, I was like, okay, I need a hobby that I can do while sitting still, preferably while reclining, because actually sitting up straight also hurts. Um, so I was like, I guess now is the time when I finally have to crochet. 
uh, which <laughs> I, had, I had tried knitting and crochet, oh, more than a decade ago when I had mono. And I, I, I enjoyed it, actually, then. But I had mono, and it was a good idea to try while I had mono. But I, I didn't have any energy, so I didn't get that far with it. Um, so I, I remembered I liked crochet better. So I ordered some supplies, and I got started with it in quite a rageful way. I, it was like my top choice of what to do right now with my time and energy would not be crochet. I have a lot of other things I would love to do, but they require my pelvis being in a normal state. And that's just not what's happening right now. So I was a little resentful. I start trying to crochet. I start watching some videos. It's really hard. It was so hard, Diana. I was ready to give up. Do you remember when I was ready to give up? Oh, yeah, big time. I mean, I thought you were going to give up, and I was just here for it. I was fine with it, but that is not what happened. Yeah, I mean, my beginner stage of crochet and probably most new skills is like lots of shopping, lots of online shopping. Um, you know, deciding on all the perfect, most expensive tools and supplies, which, by the way, often don't, out turn, don't turn out to be the ones you actually need once you're doing the thing, um, and uh, complaining and feeling impatient because it's too hard. I don't know how to do it. Um, <laughs> the thing was, like, I don't know, I guess... I didn't have that many other options. I was like, I'm not going to start this whole shopping process again with a different hobby. Like, I'm going to do crochet. And I found um, a, uh, I found like my aspirational crochet role model. Um, her, her brand and Instagram and everything is called DeBros. I'll put it in the in the show notes. Everything she makes is like so beautiful and serene and minimalist. All these gorgeous neutrals. It's like very modern crochet, which is actually the title of her book, Modern Crochet. And and so that helped me to have an inspiration. I was like, I know that. I could get there. I could make some of her beginner stuff one day and feel really good about myself and the aesthetics of what have come out of this time where I can't move. Um, so I ordered her book, and then I ordered two other books that actually help tell you how to crochet because, of course, the prettiest book is usually not the most useful. Um, hers has lots of great patterns, and it says <laughs> it's the only book you need, kind of, but it does not actually help someone like me who is, you know, struggling to get the yarn on the needle and keep it there. So I got the right <laughs> books because also I didn't want to 
I didn't want to be on my phone and computer while I'm doing this. Like, I wanted a peaceful, screen-free hobby. So, so I got the books, and I kept at it. I did a lot of, like most people would say, you should make sample swatches. Small things, very small things that uh, show you. Um, how you're doing. What is this? It gives you a taste of what the thing is going to look like. I don't listen. So I started out wanting to make <laughs> very large blankets. So you make like a giant row of stitches and then you make a few more giant rows of stitches before the length of a blanket before you realize you did it all wrong. You know what? To each their own. <laughs> I did that a number of times and then unraveled it. And I was like, you know what? I'm learning. It's okay. And then um, somehow, Diana, like, it would feel hard. And then I would go to sleep. And then I would wake up the next day and pick it back up again. And it would be easier than the day before. Like, just doing it gently, patiently one day after, after another, and reading my lovely books, that is enough to get better and get into it. Can you believe that? <laughs> well, it goes against just about everything we've ever known, but we also don't know that much about hobbies. So <laughs> I guess it's both surprising and not surprising. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's all, the whole process... I've learned so much so far, and it's only been, I don't know, a couple weeks or something. And uh, now I am making a DeBros project, the Bokit bag, and it's going really well so far. It feels good. I have momentum, and I don't feel so awkward with the yarn and the, the needle. So, like, I'm really proud of myself for getting sticking with it even to this point I also I made two coasters I let go of my giant blanket aspirations and I was like okay let's complete something two coasters super cute uh, that was very satisfying so I and and I have no uh, no commitments for the future. I did buy a lot of beautiful yarn that I'm not using because actually the cheaper yarn is easier to work with. Um, but <laughs> yeah, like this hobby goes really well with this season. It would be cool if it continued. I don't know if it will. We'll just have to see. I'll be on the edge of my seat. Actually, I'll be slumped in my seat, but I'll... Mentally, I'll be on the edge of my seat. Slumped on a very, very deep couch, probably with some dogs around you. Yes. Um, <laughs> Diana, um, what would you like to share about your journey with hobbies? Well, um, first a few comments about crocheting. Um, I am very inspired by your progress and partly it's because, you know, it's very aspirational for me because crocheting with long yarns 
is not very compatible with having two toddlers, which is what I have right now. So, you know, I, it's exactly the thing I can't have. So I, I of course, want it more. Um, and we'll see if that's your experience of having a toddler uh, in short order. But it, I do think, based on my knowledge of children, which I have too, I think that they start playing independently, you know, three, four, five, a little bit more. And in that case, being not on your phone and having something that you're visibly enjoying, but that's non-narrative, like you can kind of pause it at any moment or, you know, just finish your row when they have something to tell you or show you is really good. Like that would actually be a good addition to my life. Cause I think it's bad to, it's bad for me to sit around with the kids on my phone because I get kind of very cerebral and it's important I think to kind of be on the physical plane with them um, and not off off in my imaginary work and online shopping fantasy world so uh, yeah I think there could be a place for crochet in my life relatively soon and I'm very excited to learn from your pioneering journey uh, on this front. Um, just thinking about my journey with hobbies, you know, there was definitely a time where we may have even covered this topic on should we before, and it was probably in a relatively tense kind of, uh, edge of burnout kind of mode, uh, where it seemed like hobbies might be the thing that held me back from the brink or something, uh, the brink of full burnout, um, Think that I relate to time a little differently now. We talked recently about productivity and how I'm relating to that now. Um, and I think that a lot has opened up in my life just by letting there be kind of more margin, more non-productive time. Uh, and that is very compatible with life with young kids. You know, the, the young kids sort of uh, are the main event for big chunks of the day and I like to be around them, but they sometimes have their own thing going and, uh, it's nice to have my own thing going too, as long as it's compatible with uh, with with them. So uh, that's part of what excites me about crochet as a someday soon thing. But right now, there's still a little bit, uh, you know, getting into everything. Um, there was a time last year where we were all stuck indoors. We were really, really stuck indoors during uh, smoke season, which I'm very sad is the season now in the Bay Area. And I had this epiphany about Lego, actually. Uh, I was thinking about what I could do that would be something to look forward to that I would definitely like and could order with two-day delivery. <laughs> you know, I just wanted instant gratification, something I could control. Um, and I had read a little bit about um, people who like jigsaw puzzles enjoying Lego as kind of another level of that. Uh, you know, it's a little more following instructions than a puzzle is. A true puzzle, you have to kind of plan and strategize around. Lego kits, you know, there's a plan, you know, there's piece after piece and you have to look for the pieces, but there's different layers to them and there's an order for assembling them and they come in these little crinkly bags that are very satisfying. And so, I ordered one set that was a Mini Cooper. I have a son named Cooper, so I thought it would be fun to make a Mini Cooper car, and I could kind of imagine putting the finished set uh, on a shelf. Um, I should also mention that as part of uh, as part of getting into Lego and exploring that, I had to let go of some beliefs I had about like the right way to use Lego 
is to be creative. <laughs> I, I had to just accept that creativity is a part of my life. And uh, indeed, it was nice that the Lego pieces could be repurposed, could have another life as creativity objects for me and my kids once my, uh, my one-year-old isn't eating uh, uh, plastic things anymore. You know, when, once she's out of that phase, uh, I think that I can totally introduce grown-up Lego uh, alongside the, the Duplo we have a lot of. Um, but the immediate purpose was just to have something soothing just for me. And I uh, needed to be in acceptance that it would seem a little bit wasteful, but it was the hobby that uh, sounded good to me in that moment. Um, and wasteful because it's like an average cost of a Lego set is about 10 cents a brick. That adds up really quickly when you're doing the, the grown up sets. Uh, so, you know, I had to overcome some, uh, some, some hurdles in terms of even letting myself be interested in it. But once I accepted that I just was interested in it and it did hit some notes of a soothing kind of high control activity for me with this optional future upside of reusing the bricks, then I got into it. And boy, did I get into it. Uh, I probably bought eight or nine large kits over the past year and change. Uh, I think it started last May before I gave birth to Bentley. And then it was able to continue for quite a while. There came a point where my uh, almost three-year-old Cooper became very uh, capable of reaching onto tables, uh, which had been where I was doing the, the kits. And so now I can't really do them when he's around um, until uh, until we can do them together, which I think will, will be not that far in the future. But I got I got way into it. I did a few cars. I did a really cool treehouse. There was a beautiful bouquet that I did. Um, I got very into these city scenes. I made a bookshop one, and I made this one called Assembly Square. It's very cute. It has. Um, actually a little mini fig that is a mom character with a ponytail um, and she's a redhead and she has this little tiny baby Lego baby um, that goes in a little stroller and there's something in me that's just really into that. I think it's probably the uh, kind of long dormant dollhouse part of me. I was never that into dollhouses but there is something about a little scene like a miniature scene that uh I'm not alone in it pushing buttons, you know, it definitely pushes some buttons for me. And to be able to create these uh, kind of city scenes um, with Grown Up Lego was just delightful. So yeah, I got way into it. And I got so far into it that we're kind of out of room in the house for, uh, for these creations. And um, I can't actually display them in our main living area because then my almost three-year-old just incessantly asks to take them down and play with them. And playing with them would mean disassembling them inevitably, which is fine. You know, that's what they're for. I don't want to be, you know, the parent who doesn't let her kid play with Lego but he cannot play with it for as long as the one-year-old is still putting things in her mouth. So we're just at kind of like a, a lull in my Lego hobby, but I'm very excited to get back to it. And, um, you know, the, the great and terrible thing about Lego is that they understand their audience, uh, the segment of their audience, adult fans of Lego, and uh, they are kind of 
always coming out with new kits for, for that audience. And they recently came out with one that's this typewriter that I'm just all about. You know, I look at it and something happens inside me and I am just so into it. I'm all about it. So I, uh, I think that that one is in my future, but I'm going to have to choose the, uh, the right moment in time to bring it into, bring it into the house. Maybe this one I'll do with Cooper. That might be kind of a fun holiday project for us this year. Oh, Diana, I'm basically drooling as you talk about this um, <laughs> typewriter. It just sounds like it would be very satisfying. It's so beautiful. I don't even know what to say. It's the seafoam green. It looks very vintage. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's crave worthy. They do know their audience so well. Um, <laughs> so something I wanted to make sure to talk about, which connects with the previous episode, is like protecting the non-productivity or even anti-productivity or even post-ambition part of hobbies, which... I like in my tw twenty, my whole life, up through the past maybe three years, I could not wrap my head around that. Like everything that I would dabble in, I would definitely have thoughts as a beginner, even of like, what if this becomes my new profession? And there was this like breath breathlessness about it. And like, how could I, and then I'm starting to think about rev, uh, revenue and like business models and, you know, how I'll transition from this career to that one, like, you know, which. Um, it'll be hard, but it'll be worth it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like a whole narrative would populate my imagination and that's fine, and that is sometimes how things happen. Something starts as a hobby, and it becomes a profession. But um, now, I just got to say, it is so relaxing and freeing to know that I definitely do not want to become a professional crochet, you know, brand. Uh knitwear creator or pattern creator or I don't want to write books about crochet I don't want to become a crochet Instagram influencer I have zero negative ambition for this I just want to enjoy myself in a peaceful way this is pretty new for me what do you think enables that Oh, probably pregnancy, which is the answer to a lot of questions these days. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, what about you? Like, what enables that for you? Because I know you have been a very ambitious person, but like, what made it possible? I know that you never expressed any desires to become a Lego influencer. So like what made it possible <laughs> for you to allow yourself to spend time, money, and energy on Lego? 
Well, uh, there are a few levels of answer to that. Um, I think one level is uh, just this insight that we often come back to that no job is glamorous on the inside. And that includes being a crochet influencer. Um, you know, I think that it is so easy. <laughs> uh, it's so easy to look at the very aesthetic profiles of people that we get inspiration from and imagine that their life looks really good. No problems there. It would be really nice to spend all day doing crochet and making, uh, you know, nice photos and posting them to an adoring audience. But then whenever you get a glimpse behind the scenes, you realize that they're actually super stressed out and often burnt out, um, uh, especially the pressure of needing to turn this thing they loved into ad revenue. And there's only so many crochet brands. So then they have to create their own crochet brands so that they can, you know, make money on, uh, you know, the sale of their own goods and not just on advertising from other crochet brands. And now they run a brand and they have inventory and you know, it's just a whole thing. And having seen that enough times has taken away some of the mystique of, uh, of that full-time creator dream for me. Um, so I'm a little more protected on that side. I think that in terms of opening up time and energy uh, and even funds for it, I had to realize that, uh, you know, Working on not needing so much self-soothing was a fine goal. Uh, but in the meantime, as long as I need a certain amount of soothing, I will get that soothing one way or another. And uh, some of the ways are going to seem like heavy real projects, like maybe I'm soothing myself by... Uh, you know, completely reorganizing the pantry or something. And I feel this frantic energy about it. But actually at base, that's a hobby and an excuse for me to buy a lot of mason jars to decant everything into or something, you know. Um, <laughs> and, uh, so, <laughs> you know, similarly with a bunch of other things, you know, uh, Online shopping is a hobby, you know, but uh, the, it comes with the illusion of needing each of those things. And, and then once you get hooked on the illusion, or at least once I get hooked on the illusion, I really don't feel settled until it is resolved, until the thing has been ordered and it is on its way to arriving. And I have, you know, a new, uh, a new stainless steel water bottle coming for the kids. And finally, we're going to have a complete set of non-destroyed stainless water bottles. I mean, by the time it arrives, I'm just happy to have a new thing that's not messed up. And I just run it through the dishwasher and then I never clear out the old one. I never reach that, you know, <laughs> that uh, ineffable state of having a complete capsule collection of unbroken water bottles, you know. So just realizing that some of the things that I was convincing myself were necessary were actually also that sort of hobby energy, but I would have a clearer motivation set uh, if I just let them be definitely hobbies and not useful at all. Um, and so I think that's part of what let me spend money on Lego, which is not a cheap hobby. You know, I kind of wish that I'd come up with a cheaper one, but the, uh, you know, in, in coaching, uh, at least in our kind of coaching lineage, we talk a lot about saboteurs and there's definitely like a, um, 
a, an anti-fund saboteur that will only allow, uh, only allow spending on useful things. But if I'm looking for self-soothing, I'm gonna not, I'm not gonna just not buy anything. I'm gonna buy something that seems like it's necessary and then I'll feel weird about it because the, the motivations are mixed up, you know? So actually just letting myself do the thing I wanted um, that's purely for fun, purely for pleasure, lets me register it as pleasure and register it as fun instead of, you know, having the impulse to order it for fun, but then it comes in the mason jars or a project to fill or something, you know, it, it, it's hard to have that mix of necessary and desirable and to um, kind of cloak one motivation with the other and then be left with the residue of that. And so I really ended up enjoying having an area of life that was only for pleasure. You know, it's not for anything else and I never get confused. And so I feel pleasure when I'm doing it. I never feel obligation and I never feel overwhelm. I only feel pleasure. And being able to route my resources that way is not positive if I believe, as I think was true, that I was going to end up, uh, end up, since I have the ability to, spending about the same amount uh, of resources on just managing my hope and anticipation, uh, uh, no matter what. Okay. There's so, that has sparked so much inside of me. One is remembering that my online shopping hobby was a catalyst for getting going on on a different screenless hobby because like it, we got to a point where I bought my whole registry. <laughs> so, <laughs> so <laughs> it was like, we're done now. Like now there's just a bunch of clutter that needs to be arranged and I can't move. <laughs> So I need <laughs> to move on to something else. Also, like uh, I, I've, I have been reading too on my phone and in print, but like, you know, after a certain amount of reading and online shopping, my eyes get tired, you know? And I'm in this time where I actually have, so shockingly, I have some energy. Um, I, I also have a, an abundance of time because there were a lot of activities I did before. Like I went places and <laughs> did things that I can't <laughs> do right now uh, without a lot of pain and struggle. <laughs> Getting in and out of the car is really funny to watch, I bet. I hope no one has ever watched me do that lately. Um, yeah, so it was like I, I've started to, this time has helped me understand that in the past, I've often had this dream of whole blank days, massive swaths of time to devote to one thing. And probably it's like a really amazing creative practice that becomes my next career. And in fact, uh, or, or like immersive study of a topic I'm curious about. But the thing is, like, there I have a lot of limits. Like, mm, spending two hours doing one thing is pretty much enough for me. Two hours of crochet, pretty much enough. Um, when, I, when I was painting for several months, like, I, same. After two hours of painting, like, 
kind of good for at least that day and maybe several days. Um, so I realized that for me, um, like, and it's not even just about attention span or something. It's like I got what I needed from this experience. And now it's like either my mind or my body needs a break, needs something different. Um, and there are about a million, there's like an infinite number of things you can do on your phone, but just like lounging around and poking at my phone, even when I was doing satisfying things like reading, it was just becoming like, it would just give me a headache after a while. Like I don't want to be on my phone so much. So I am, and also like, even though time opened up, I didn't want to add in more work. I didn't want to start taking more clients or something because same there. I have a certain amount of like emotional, spiritual, and professional attention that I can give in a day, and then it's done. So I don't know. It's been like really nice to realize that about myself, that there is no... My, particular need to fulfill the, the fantasy, the glamorous fantasy of one creative activity that fills the whole day. Oh yeah, completely. I think, I mean, I share that fantasy. Uh, and I think sometimes it's just about feeling like you're, you, you need so much filling up that only a full day could be enough. But I think a pretty consistent discovery and rediscovery for both of us has been it doesn't take that much it takes like one good night of sleep and two hours doing the activity of your choice and it's kind of good you know it's like surprisingly restorative um that's not always true you know there's there's periods of deeper burnout that require uh you know much more much more restoration from but you know, a good night of sleep in two hours goes a long way. So uh, yeah, I, I find that mostly comforting. Like I don't have to organize life so that I have entire blank days. I just need to organize life so that I have two hours to myself a few times a week. Yeah, yeah, it is very freeing. And I think it can be so nice to learn about our own baselines. Like what does it take to refill my well of energy, uh, focus, motivation, creativity, when I'm generally okay, you know, and, and to assume I am going to need that on some regular basis. And so we found like, yeah, it takes a good night of sleep and two hours of doing whatever I want to do. And and it's so nice to have a menu of things that usually feel good, such as, you know, hobby activities or whatever. Um, and then to be able to tell the difference when it's like, oh, that would not be enough. Like, it would take so mm -hmm. much more than that to get me filled up again. Then, then we kind of know, okay, something about, my life right now is not sustainable, you know, like this is a different kind of time. Yeah. Yeah. I think, 
just doing the experiment of like what happens with one good night of sleep in two hours and seeing where that gets you to and being like, oh, I actually couldn't have one good night of sleep because I'm not sleeping well. <laughs> you know, like, oh, well, that's, yeah. that's something you can address, you know, or like uh, I was not able to enjoy anything for two hours because I'm too in my head or I just don't really can't really want anything. I'm, I'm sort of post want. I just I just want to, you know, curl up and do nothing. Um, well, if you do nothing for two hours and you still want to do more nothing, that's another signal, but it's like surprisingly accessible to, um, yeah, as you say, have that menu and just use that as a barometer of, is this like normal overwhelmed or is this like a bigger deal that I should do more about? Yeah. Yeah. And of course, everyone has their own time amounts and needs. It might be sleep or it might be something else. Um, I mean, right now, I don't get good nights of sleep because pregnancy. <laughs> but I'm doing great <laughs> because I have my 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 crochet and other needs are very well met. Um so yeah, I just feel like it's this this episode is like in praise of the hobby. The the zero ambition hobby and from this perspective <laughs> of like I didn't know it could be like this and uh, yeah. it it only took not very long at all definitely less than two weeks to get past the 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 beginner struggle to a point where I can just pick it up and enjoy it that's so exciting. I'm so happy for you. Um, and, you know, I think that it's really cool to me that we're in this chapter of our lives where this feels within reach. Yeah, me too. I love it. I love this chapter of our lives, Diana. <laughs> it's nice to remember that because sometimes, uh, you know, we always get swept up in the daily drama because we're uh, we're real, you know, um, uh, narrative lovers. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of good things about the way things are right now. Even, you know, there's, there's always so much going on uh, in the world too, but it's nice to be able to find some inner stability and enjoyment. <laughs>